0: part two chapter two of garcia moreno by augustin berth this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by maria Therese. parliamentary opposition eighteen fifty seven to eighteen fifty nine the legislative session was opened by one of those official messages which would have excited nothing but derision had not the people become used to similar effusions Robles allowed himself to be deceived by the assurances of some of his creatures among the deputies and believed that once the electoral excitement was over the people would remain passive under the yoke but that was not Garcia moreno's intention all the ministerial proposals which under the name of constitutional reforms were only intended to satisfy the vengeance of the executive were piteously rejected In the debate on the budget he insisted on an account being rendered of the expediture and expressed himself with such indignation against the squanderers of the public treasury that the reports of his speech was suppressed in the official papers he intervened also in three matters of capital importance the first concerned the capitation tax of three piastres a head on the Indians which had been frequently denounced as iniquitous by the legislature but which had never been abolished on the plea of the bankruptcy of the treasury. The radicals pleaded, as usual, for its continuance, while shedding crocodile tears over the misery of the poor Indians. But Garcia Marino indignantly replied, Why so much discussion on a question of simple justice and humanity? If this tax be manifestly contrary to law and equity, why defer its abolition? I will tolerate no delay in this matter. The tax was abolished to the delight of the whole country. The second question was that of public education, garcia moreno having proposed a new organic law elaborated with the greatest care after his european experiences but he was defeated in spite of his eloquence by the obstinate resistance of the government and the penury of the treasury before voting sums for the education of youth the soldiers must have their pay and the public functionaries their salaries It was a hopeless status quo until the disorder in the finances could be remedied garcia moreno succeeded better however in another matter which was the closing of the masonic lodges which had been surreptitiously opened in guayaquil he spoke against them with such eloquence that the motion was voted by a large majority and in the following terms the catholic religion being that of all the citizens and the only one recognised by the constitution it is impossible without grave danger to admit the creation of irreligious societies And as, by negligence or connivance, certain secret societies have been introduced into Ecuador of a decidedly anti-religious character, the Congress decrees the dissolution of the Masonic lodges and all other associations disapproved of by the Church. Unhappily, through the intrigues of the government and their assertion that these secret societies had no irreligious character, this law remained a dead letter. Except the abolition of the Indian tax, the session of 1857 had been absolutely sterile from a legislative point of view, but morally the influence Garcia Moreno exercised, in the country was immense. The destruction of all higher education, the peculations in the treasury, the subservience of the government to the Freemasons, all this had been so ably exposed by him that the anger and scorn of the people against their tyrants knew no bounds. Foreign difficulties came to add to other complications— In order to raise money, large tracts of land had been ceded to English and American immigrants against which Peru energetically protested, declaring that the alienated territory belonged to them. Arbina, who had never forgiven General Castilla, the president of Peru, for having given an asylum to Flores, revenged himself by insulting and finally dismissing the Peruvian ambassador, Cavaro, who had come from Lima to settle the frontier question. Castilla replied by an ultimatum, in which he exacted the readmission of the ambassador, menacing, in case of refusal, to blockade the port of Guayaquil. This happened in 1858, and gave Urbina a pretext for fresh conscription and exactions of money which were carried out with such injustice and cruelty as to rouse the whole population. The dissolution of the chambers and the removal of the seat of government to Guayaquil were openly discussed, congress reassembled and again garcia moreno pointed out in the strongest language the dangers which menaced the country after two days discussion the whole town shared in the alarm of the senate urbina in a fury gave orders to a body of taras to go to the bar of the house and arrest garcia moreno in the midst of the senators fortunately the plot got wind a large body of young men devoted to garcia moreno implored him not to go to the house the following day as this band of brigands were determined to assassinate him. He replied that never would he draw back before such vile criminals, or, in fact, before any danger. So, at the usual hour, he went to the old convent of St. Bonaventura, where the Senate held its meetings. On his arrival he found a large body of young patriots from all parts of the town, who had come to defend him in case of need. They were not useless. The Taras, at their posts, sword in hand, and with menaces on their lips, were firmly watching the proceedings of the members. García Moreno quickly rose and resumed the debate of the day before with greater vigour than ever. After having pointed out the iniquities of the government, and the way its members were despising the law, the constitution, and the legislative assembly, he suddenly stopped, and pointing to the taras below the bar, denounced, in a voice which thrilled through the whole house, the project of Urbina against the national representatives, and also the baseness of those soldiers who had consented to act as assassins. His burning words had such an effect that the unhappy Taras left the Senate trembling and ashamed. The retraction of the powers previously granted to the government was voted by an immense majority. After the sitting was over, the Taras gathered round the doors, determined to lay hands on Garcia Moreno as he came out, but the young patriots were before them. They surrounded their hero, overwhelming him with congratulations, and conducted him in triumph to his house. After this defeat, Urbina and Robles thought it would be easier to intimidate the lower house. During the debate, Robles fulminated a new message against the opposition. The soldiers mounted guard, sword in hand, by the houses of the hostile deputies, threatening them with death if they resisted the will of the tyrants but nothing could induce the majority to allow these men to continue their arbitrary proceedings, and the withdrawal of their powers was voted unanimous. At the same time, the Congress proved that however much they might be opposed to the depotism of the two dictators, they were quite willing to prepare for the national defense. At the beginning of November, the news reached Quito of the blockade of Guayaquil. The two chambers instantly offered their concurrence to the government to vote the resources and men and money necessary for the struggle but that would not have suited urbina who was determined to free himself from all control not daring any longer to threaten to dissolve the house by force he resolved to effect his purpose by stratagem eleven of the deputies were his creatures and he persuaded them to desert their posts and thus make all deliberation impossible from the lack of the number of voters required by the constitution the house was counted out and urbina instantly dissolved the chambers and announced the formation of a new authority entitled the supreme direction of the war having appointed urbina general in chief of the army ribles the dictator started for guayaquil putting out a pompous address to the nation in which he announced that he was going to exercise the powers which had been confided to him by the people thus after having mocked the people by dismissing their national representatives he flattered himself he could act with impunity he forgot that he could not carry out a foreign war while leaving behind him an infuriated nation. But God blinds those whom he has determined to abandon. End of part two, chapter two.